102.3 WHIV LPFM. And Get Check, Get Fit, Get Moving with Doc Griggs and Dr. Daring is starting in just a moment. Did you know that WHIV is a volunteer-driven community radio station? We are not a commercial radio station and all of our hosts and DJs. Work hard to provide programming dedicated to human rights and social justice. We are able to provide independent voices with your ongoing support, so become a member of WHIV today by setting up recurring donations of any amount that you wish per month. That could be a dollar, five, ten, twenty, dare I say, dare dare, a hundred, whatever is good for you. So go to our fresh looking website at whivfm.org and click donate. All donations to WHIV are tax deductible. You can also order some cool new swag on our website. We have some super cool t-shirts. Actually, uh, some people uh, have been really remarking on how cool our logo is. So I appreciate our logo. Thank you for your constant support. And thank you for listening to WHIVLP in New Orleans. We are not a radio station with a mission. We are a mission with a radio station. End all wars. Election day is almost here. Are you ready to vote? This election is important and it is your chance to take control for your community and weigh in on the issues that matter most to you and your family. As voters, we all have an equal say in determining our future and that's why it is so important to go cast a vote. The leaders we elect will make decisions that affect your everyday life, your job, your health care, your energy cost, the economy, and more. So please don't sit this one out. Join your friends and neighbors and make it count on Tuesday, November 6th. Also, support for 102.3 WHIV comes from the New Orleans Jazz Museum's latest exhibit, Drumsville, Evolution of the New Orleans Beat. Kicking off with an opening reception on Thursday, November 8th at 6 p.m. It's free and open to the public, featuring local music. I'm sorry, (laughs) featuring local food and live music. Drumsville explores the origins and evolution of our city's unique drumming traditions and highlights the iconic local drummers, uh, both past and present, from Baby Dodds to Johnny Vidakovich. So please visit nolajazzmuseum.org to RSVP. Uh, so this is the uh, Get Check, Get Fit, Get Moving show with Doc Griggs. I am your host, Mark Allen Derry. We are currently waiting on Doc Griggs. Uh, I think the weather has made it difficult for him to, uh, to come in. Uh, the weather seems to be affecting a lot of folks. So I was going to just get started um, right now and uh, talk about a couple of the things that mean uh, most uh, to me. And some of the things that, uh, that I am mostly concerned about in our modern uh, health care uh, uh, system is the idea of structural racism and misogyny that uh, not only happens in society, that goes without being said, but the structural racism and misogyny that happens in medicine. And there was a recent... New England Journal article that I'm trying to pull up as we talk about this um, that I think uh, was 
really particularly interesting looking at uh, the uh, structural uh, misogyny that occurs in uh, academic medicine. And it really, it really talks, uh, and what we're really talking about is how um, pervasive not only sexual abuse is, uh, I think, in society, but particularly uh, sexual abuse that can happen in a highly structured uh, setting such medi- such as medicine where um, you have a, such a huge power differential that exists uh, between uh, different individuals uh, in the setting uh, of, um, of medicine, which for most people who are not physicians, and that is the majority of those that are listening, it's, it's not an unlike comparison or it's not unfair to compare it uh, to the military with respect to the hierarchy that exists in military it's 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 very similar uh in medicine uh with especially when you're dealing with young uh physicians or young student physicians that are uh, aggressively uh, motivated uh, and aggressively uh, uh doing and and working very very hard uh, with high self expectations to really want to um to succeed uh and of course a medical school is very uh, challenging uh, and a very complicated uh, process. Uh, not everyone who starts the process ends the process, uh, speaking to its challenges. And so it was not a surprise at all when I, um, when I read uh, the article on, uh, the, uh, in the New England Journal just a couple days ago, uh, really reflecting on structural misogyny that exists in, in medicine. And when you look at academic medicine and when you compare academic medicine to all other forms of, of medicine or other forms of um, professional uh, uh, occupations such as engineering, or uh, let's just say the the article is really looking at STEM, so mostly the science and technology, uh, and uh, engineering, and mathematics. Uh, so mostly the STEM professions. There was an extraordinary increase in uh, sexual abuse uh, that uh, that females reported in the medical field, much much more than you would find uh, otherwise in the other STEM and what I would consider to be comparable professions. And I think that's largely due to the fact that medicine is more comparable to the military with respect to these extreme power differentials uh, that exist. And And of course, it's these power differentials that lead directly to the abuse of power. And in this case, these are the abuse of power in the form of unwanted comments, um, uh, unwanted uh, uh, um, uh, advances, uh, and, and this sort of stuff. And in my uh, experiences as a, uh, as a medical student, my experiences as a physician, and my experiences watching my colleagues, I've been absolutely horrified at the behaviors that I have seen. And, and I would say it has been 100% behaviors that have uh, uh, begun on, on behalf of men uh, onto women. Um, the comments uh, that are made 
to uh, medical students on behalf of attending physicians, uh, the comments uh, that are made uh, behind closed doors when it's just attending physicians that are speaking are oftentimes, in, and it's all male, are oftentimes uh, extraordinary. And uh, I remember Kenny Francis, my co-host on Resistance Radio, once said, uh, and and um, and I thought it was, and I'm going to paraphrase him because he s- said it much more eloquently than I'm about to right now. But what I took from the comment that he said that I'm paraphrasing now is something along the lines of, it's not what it, oh, Jesus, I should have thought this out. Uh, what he essentially said was what, to be a true advocate is, um, especially on behalf of structural racism and uh, um, and misogyny, is uh, the things that get said in private. Are you willing to stand up and say something back in return, and uh, and and to 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 basically stand up for those people who uh, those individuals that otherwise may have uh, been uh, uh, oppressed, uh, or if jokes were made uh, to stand up on behalf of that. And and Kenny says that that he's the sort of person that that does do that. And and in and after the show, I actually approached Kenny and said to him that, that that was, I think, a basis for our friendship was that the two of us, because uh, I certainly uh, do that, and I I have not done it, admittedly, uh, as much uh, with respect to misogyny uh, in the past, um, but I think that uh, that with the uh, heightened awareness, I think with the hashtag MeToo movement uh, and uh with society kind of descending far greater into a world where um, intolerances are are more uh, tolerated, if you will, uh, that it's imperative and more important for us to stand up. I think in the past I was more more likely to personally say something in, with respect to uh, comments that were made that were that we would typically refer to as being racist and, and, and maybe some slight misogyny I would allow to pass by me, uh, within the back of my head myself just thinking, well, it's just guys, guys will be guys and that's just the way things are. And I, I think that that attitude, uh, needs to no longer be tolerated. And this article that I saw in the new England journal, uh, of medicine that really reflected quite strongly on the fact that the idea that we would even remotely accept that sort of structural misogyny such that female medical students, female uh, residents, female fellows, and female attending physicians feel, and, and again, it just was overwhelmingly greater in the medical field, the idea of, uh, of structural race, uh, structural uh, misogyny that exists amongst female uh, physicians. And I, I think that this just needs to not uh, be tolerated uh, at all. And when you take a big step back and think about the idea of structural racism that exists in medicine and then the two big, big, big obvious ones, as well as all the, the more nuanced ones are examples are of the syphilis uh, experiments that happened in Tuskegee and then the Henrietta Lacks uh, story with uh, Henrietta Lacks and her cells that were ultimately utilized uh, on behalf of... Um, 
uh, of of uh, in in the name of science without uh, without talking to her family or getting consent from her family, I think are two huge uh, examples uh, of this. Uh, so if you're tuning in, you are listening to 102.3 WHIV. My name is Mark Gounder. You are listening to the Get Checked, Get Fit, Get Moving uh, show with Doc Griggs and Dr. Derry. And joining us now is the esteemed, somewhat tired appearing, yeah. and I'll tell you what's very difficult to get in touch with in the last couple of days, yeah. Dr. Eric Griggs. Thank you for uh, the rain uh, held you back. <laughs> Man, the rain held me back. I'm just having one of those Dude, you look exhausted. Like it's one of those days, one of those moments, uh, and it just happens. Uh, part of what we'll talk about is dealing with stress. Uh, I had I had to go home. My mom, I won't say emergent, but she had an urgent surgery. Uh, I had to get her thyroid removed on Monday, so I caught a plane Sunday to get there to be with her Monday. Stayed with her, stayed at the hospital Monday night. Uh, Tuesday, ended up leaving Tuesday to get back late Tuesday night. So I am really feel like I'm seven days behind. Like th- today's my Tuesday. None of my phones. I don't know what's going on with the chargers. Like I can't. What was hold up with a your charge. phones? I don't even know what's up with them now. Like it's at three, four percent. I couldn't. I couldn't get in touch you with can't you. Can't get in, and it's it's horrible. Like it's. How's, it's how's how, well, first? Let's ask how's mom doing. So mom's doing great. Uh, thyroid's out. Of course, it wasn't cancer. Did she have so a thyroid a, storm? Or she, had a, she had a goiter. She okay. had a large goiter. goiter. So they had to remove it. It was the size of my hand. Really? Yeah, it was big. Do you want to explain what a goiter is? So a goiter is an overgrowth of your thyroid gland, and what happens over, over time, it can, can grow and invade. And uh, it, We were talking about thyroid storm. Your thyroid hormones can be too high, and you, the, the, your thyroid controls all everything. It's one of the central processing centers uh, hormonally of the body. It can make you lose weight. It can make you gain weight. It can control your thinking. It can affect your sweating, your heat, you, you name it, your thyroid can do it. It's a small gland in the front of your voice box. On the back of the thyroid are four glands called the parathyroids, and they control your, your calcium regulation, right? Well, um, we have a history of uh, uh, thyroid goiters in our family. Uh, it's in, typically, ours are, are, they're non-cancerous. The, the, the most people would probably be familiar with goiters and iodine. Oh I, yeah, that yeah. The, so an acquired. Yeah. So yours is more of a genetic. It's a genetic. Thing. So not an acquired case as you would find with those that that you'd find with uh, with iodine. Now, interestingly, my mom, your thyroid typically is about the size of if you take your index finger and your 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 thumb and you make a circle and flatten it out. Like you're making an okay like an sign, okay right? sign, right? right. Flatten it out a little bit. Thyroid's about that size. I mean, it fits right in the front of your the, voice, voice. The butt. inside of the inside o, of the, the o, o, right? right. The inside of the so o. it's a very it's small, but it's you can small. still see it. Yeah, my mom's was the size of a steak, um, and she didn't have I mean, it. For vegetarians, that'd be a piece of tofu. A piece, oh yeah, a piece of tofu. A piece, okay. of, a piece of toast. How about that? <laughs> piece of toast. There you go. That's a, a nice toast. half. Okay. A piece of toast. Uh, but uh, she didn't have any symptoms. She had it, when they don't have symptoms, they call it subclinical. Um, but the reason that she didn't have any symptoms is typically when you have a thyroid and when it grows, they ask you about your shirt collar size. I mean, does your collar get 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 tighter? And do, but women typically don't wear collared shirts on a regular basis. Right. They maybe wear blouses. Right. Or blouses are low cut the whole night. So right. there was no. She had no symptoms. But, she didn't think she had symptoms. But usually, I mean, if it was the size of a toast and it's sitting on the front of your neck, usually these can sometimes be visible just by it looking wasn't at even, somebody. It wasn't. It wasn't. Well, it. She thought it was due to her body habits increasing because the Got girth, her, she had more girth. Got it. Um, so usually physicians will actually feel, feel the front of your neck. Right. They'll stand behind you and they'll feel the front of your neck to see if they feel any going. Now that's the thing. I'm sitting to touch myself like it's TV, right? Uh, <laughs> on my neck, I can actually see it. <laughs> it made for great radio, Eric. <laughs> it made really, I have the face for radio, I'm telling you. 
<laughs> I like to think I have a face for TV. So uh, yeah, I have a face for radio and a voice for a TV on mute. Um, <laughs> so I've been going, go, just been going through it, uh, and there's something about being a mile in the air and going 300 miles an hour for hours at a time, and then coming down really quickly. That just kind of and no sleep. Uh, Does for, flying really that that affects you like that? Oh man, think about this. You're you're in a box. You're in this tube. Your metal tube. You're snatched off the ground in less than three to four minutes. You're snatched on the ground from ground level to about a mile in the air, roughly a mile or so in the air, and you're moving 300 miles per hour. Your body is moving. It doesn't feel like your body's moving. Then all of a sudden, after sitting, sitting without moving uh, for hours at a time, you're suddenly snatched down. This big roller coaster ride for hours. Now, all of a sudden, the, all the fluids in your body shift. Um, there's Even no, though they try to keep the, the cabin pressurized so that, that they're trying to minimize that from happening. Right. They try to minimize it from happening, but you're, it, inevitably the fluids in your, everything shifts. And then you get off the plane. You get a lot of people drink coffee. A lot of people, oh, I want to get a drink. You, you dehydrate yourself. You don't get off the plane and uh, typically go for water. Typically, but people don't. And if you notice, a lot of times the first time you go to the bathroom afterwards, it's your, the, your urine is really, really dark dehydrated so you couple that with the fact that there was no sleep the night before not drinking water because there's no again there's no sleep in the hospital the nurses and respiratory and the phlebotomists yeah so, tell, come in so the room. yeah so let's oh, let's hear from goodness. let's hear what a modern day uh what, what what's it like to have a family member in the hospital as a physician and as not only a physician but you are a <laughs> an advocate yeah right <laughs> and you are not a physician you you may make a joke that you have a voice for tv on mute but if there's one thing that you are not is mute so what was that like i'll tell you what's crazy though isn't it and i think you can relate to this like when it's you or your family member all your doctor stuff goes out of the window i was just my mom's kid. I was yeah, Eric, and you're yeah. just sitting there, like you know everything that's going on, but you're sitting there, like, is she gonna be okay? Okay, okay. Their partner and I. You didn't. Did you? you can, did she get the vein? Is she bleeding? And you know all the answers to all the questions, but you ask them anyway because you forget. Again, I talk about we talk statistics, and we base everything we do in science, like you said, uh, and it's evidence based. But when the needle points to you, and it affects you, when I say you, it's you or your family member. All of it goes out the window. Sure. You just want them to be okay. There's no such thing as a minor surgery. I tell people that all the time. When it happens to you. When it happens to you. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's just a minor. thyroid. They're going to take a thyroid. That's not a big deal. Whoa, 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 whoa. You know how much blood yeah. comes through the thyroid? I, you know, I, I, and I, I say this with tongue in cheek when I say I hate learning things from you, but I do learn. <laughs> so I have learned so much from you, yeah, and I say that in mutual, all, in love and honesty. Absolutely mutual. But you, the, the, one of the things I did learn from you was I think you first said to me like six six months ago or whatever when we first started yep. the process of working together yeah. you said there's no such thing as a minor surgery and it hit me <laughs> after 20 years of practicing medicine it never occurred to me until you said it like that yeah. and then since then I, I actually repeat that and I'll be like well you know I find myself saying it's just a minor surgery <laughs> and then I'll stop and I acknowledge it's actually happening to you yes. and it's not minor right. for, you, for you but in the medical profession <laughs> oh this is oh you'll be fine oh it's right. a, you know the surgeon comes in oh it's it's only going to take a couple hours i'm going to take your thyroid and it, dr john Britt, uh, ent surgeon in winston salem north carolina he was absolutely awesome his bedside manner was absolutely awesome he took a picture it was a doctor doc thing uh, he took a picture of the thyroid once it was removed to show it to me and we went over the parts the anatomy of it and people in the Waiting room, looking at my family, looking at me like y'all are nuts. <laughs> but um, but his bedside manner was great. He was really, really calming. Uh, my mom was absolutely terrified. Um, well, sure, someone was putting a a scalpel to her throat. Yeah, well, that's all she kept saying. They're gonna cut my throat. They're gonna cut my throat. You see, they're gonna cut my throat. And and again, you think as a physician, it's just a subtotal thyroidectomy. They're gonna go in. Oh, they're gonna do a complete thyroidectomy. 
Thyroidectomy. They're going to take out my thyroid. So I'm going to leave the earth without the body parts that I came with. I never thought of it that way. But yeah. So seeing things from the patient's side and the patient's family's side, I'll tell you the one thing that I can tell all physicians and all people, um, especially us uh, in this profession, we miss out on a lot of life events. Um, because you mean for the for the ten year the decade of the, decade, the, right. the missing decade yeah, I, you, I like to refer to it as <laughs> you miss you miss bachelor parties you miss funerals weddings bridal showers baby showers um, you miss family members being sick because you are so focused you have to focus in order to get through the process going through the medical education process and it's not just for doctors I mean just in general when we're focused and we're in school. It's like trying to take a sip of water out of a fire hydrant. And because you're focused, life doesn't stop. It's not convenient. Uh, I was, you know, I'm busy. I wear a bunch of hats doing a bunch of things. Both of us do. So my mom's telling me she's having this surgery. And honestly, I'm kind of I'm blowing it off, kind of not blowing it off, blowing it off. And that's a that's another mistake that we make in the medical profession. A family member will come to you with an issue and you're like, oh, that's just da da da. And, you know, it's hypocritical and it's you should be guilt ridden. Um, because we take better care of people we don't know. This is my <laughs> this is my wife's number one issue with with me personally. Yeah. And if she's listening, she will. Uh, I, you know, maybe text in Leon. I know you're busy, so you're probably not listening. But right. <laughs> her number one thing is she will say that you know that total strangers get better care, oh. even when they have colds. I am so concerned when my wife has a cold. You know, and for somebody like myself, I spent ten years on the back of a helicopter doing trauma right, medicine, right, right, and then like right. I do things like I go to Sierra Leone and take care of people who are dying of Ebola. Yeah, you know, yeah, very aggressive. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. so going from one extreme of medicine with trauma going to you know highly infectious epidemics to yeah. the other, and then you know my family members have a cold. I'm like, you know, but but it goes back to what you're saying. There's no such thing as a minor surgery, and and your point is well taken. It's it's so meaningful to for I'll use Liana, my wife, for example. Yeah. In the moment that she's in, whether it be that she stubbed her toe or she has an upper respiratory infection, at that moment, yeah, it she's so uncomfortable. And you know, and it's not. There's a reason why it's a meme in the medical field that that physicians, patient, uh, physicians, families get the least, least medical amount, yeah, care. Yeah, and, and 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 I tell you, part of the care is just showing up. Like, you know, I'm no surgeon. I don't want to be a surgeon. Do I know about the surgery? Yeah, and but mom, I'm not gonna. But it's not you as doctor. They want you as Mark Allen. They want me as Eric. Just, sure. just to be there. So, sure. so I, I, Just like we would want them to be there, want them if, to be there if it was us. But you don't think about it. I mean, right. especially yeah. if it's, it's their area of uh, expertise. Um, and, and life never happens conveniently. There's a lot of things going on right now. That, That's the definition of life. <laughs> my phones need to be working. They're, I have charger issues. Apparently, I've been using the wrong wires, and it's shorting out the phones. I have no idea. So I mean I'm 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 in I'm in technology hell right now. Um, that phone that's over there it it was at 22 percent now it's at three and I don't know if it's charging or not. Yeah. But then you got to take the time to go to the store and sit and do the life. I mean it's just it's one of those things. But and and also just to add to that too, uh, you also have several phones, oh, and so I, you have to do it on several different. Several different and then. And then, uh, you know, so I'm trying to call the, my TV segment this morning. got canceled because of the weather, but it was a last minute decision. So the phone was dying. It was on. It was off. I didn't know whether to go or not. I get up. The phone's not charged. I'm trying to type stuff on the computer to try to send emails or a text. But then the computer dies. <laughs> it's just 
So mom's doing well. Mom's doing well. So of all the inconvenient things that have happened uh, in the last, her health is good. That, that is the most important and the did, best. Uh, did folks wash their hands? Like, oh, they wash was, their hands. They wash their hands. And they have these hand sanitizer machines. Now that's interesting to me. Uh, all over the hospital, they have these stations. These little where you push the you know you push the little lever and the, it comes down. And it's hand sanitizer. So everyone's ha- sanitizing their hands. So I'm a huge fan of that. So I just want because I know where you're going. I have a feeling I know where you're going. You I just do. want you to know where my bias lies. Okay, because I've got science on my side well, too. Well, help me with the science because I, okay. as opposed okay. to washing their hands okay. with soap and water, they just pop pop real quick. Yes. So but, explain explain where you were going because I, I totally so where I was going was tip, the things that clean your hands is the use of soap it's friction soap is just like a sliding agent it's like a lipid that helps the bacteria viruses slide off now this is my understanding i'm talking to an infectious disease doctor that help the viruses and slide off your body typically what we told people is that if you don't have access to soap and water um then use the hand sanitizers it's not necessarily the best idea to use that all the time however i could be wrong and i, I see you waiting what you got so uh, last week we were honored uh, and i hope that we have uh, her on again but we were very very honored to have dr avegna who's the city health commissioner on yeah. and as we were ending the segment last week on flu and the importance for flu vaccine i kind of in the last minute or two i threw in the importance of hand washing of course as an infectious disease doctor yeah, that's yeah. a lot about what we're about six and, times a minute right, right. Yeah. and you and Ch- <laughs> yeah you and Ch- even on tv last week you were like oh six, six times, times a, a day. day and i was like are the, you well crazy? the cdc they say six to seven they say a minimum of six to seven and they say six that to just seven be, times that, a day that's, dude, that's like hour. that's one every three hours that is crazy in that interim you've there touched your face a million times yeah you have okay so and plus all the time you go to the bathroom <laughs> yeah, six, so yeah. you may even go to the bathroom eight times a day, but yeah, you're you, saying six times a who day. Who goes to the bathroom eight times a day? Stop eating so much. Well, no. no. <laughs> if you're drinking coffee. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you're but an you, older person don't get you're, me on, started. you're on Lasix. You're, <laughs> you mean you're dehydrating yourself drinking the coffee. You keep going. Older person on Lasix. Anyway. Don't uh, pee on your hands. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> don't even get me started, dude. <laughs> no. The, uh, the science is in there is actually no difference between soap and water and, uh, and, and, wow. and hand sanitizer, but let me just, with a caveat. Okay. The caveat being that if your hands are soiled, yes, that soap and water without question is superior okay. to hand sanitizer. Okay. But for the standard healthcare professional I mean, who's in a hospital, yeah. they can come and go with hand sanitizers. Uh, and and I'll tell you a couple of, of stories. After Katrina, when I was a, a mm-hmm. fellow at Tulane Medical Center, mm-hmm. there was the only uh, the only sinks that there were. I mean, <laughs> they were these little metallic yeah. sinks that got yeah. placed, yeah. you know, kind of. And it was, you know, it harkens back to the days. I mean, we, we know we're not the most yeah. up-to-date city with yeah. respect to our hospitals. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> Tulane right. Medical Center is yeah. not a uh, exception to that. Yeah. Uh, so th- these rinky-dink little, so these little sinks. And so we would make these rounds where we would just stop at these sinks, see a patient, or wash our hands, you know, the team would wash mm-hmm. our hands, and then go all the way down the hall to see a patient, then leave, go back all to that little back. sink, yep. and go back and forth. So as an infectious disease fellow, one of the things that I did was I was part of the process in which we um, created these hand sanitizers Stations. all over. Uh-huh. So in between each room, I put up, I got in touch with one of the manufacturers, I think it was like 3M or something, mm-hmm. And got these hand sanitizers mm-hmm. in between each room to help doc because I can understand why doctors would not wash their hands coming and going <laughs> all the way in, all, all the way, way then. As an infectious disease doctor, we have to set the standard. Right. So we right. we do it not only because it's the right thing to do, but it's also we need to the standard. We we need to we need to uh, advocate for positive behavior by demonstrating positive.
positive behavior. Right. Right. And uh, and so the fire marshal came in and took them all down, and he said that they were a, a fire hazard. So I like I squeezed. Yeah, they're gonna blow I, up. I squeezed a little bit, and then I took like a lighter and I tried a light, and I'm like, what fire hazard exactly are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. There is no alcohol. The alcohol content in and this is, does not exist. Right. So there I was on the ground trying to light the the, <laughs> and I was showing him like, what's the what's the fire hazard exactly? And he's looking at you like, and, right? And they're all looking at me, and uh, I, I, you know, I'm not one that does well in an administrative processes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I but, understand. But the since then, uh, the hospital, in fact, now it's the standard that all hospitals That's exactly what they have had. hand sanitizers at all in between each rooms. Okay. So this way, you the kind of the phraseology that we use is you pump in and you pump out. If you're tuning in, you are listening to 102.3 WHIVLP. This is the Get Check, Get Fit, Get Moving show with Doc Griggs and Dr. Derry. Uh, it's a pleasure to have Doc Griggs on. We are sitting and talking about recent experience that he had uh, with respect to uh, uh, his mom uh, being in the hospital. And when, and when I last left off before the station, I just want to say that the pump in and pump out is referring to pump the uh, hand sanitizers as you're going in to see your patient pump. and pump out. I actually was uh, a patient twice in the last month, oh, uh, my goodness. which is very unusual for me. So yeah. one was I went and got a screening colonoscopy oh. and I was a fanatic about making yeah. sure that everybody was, but they, you know, I had, it was like, I was the infectious disease doctor and everyone knew that yeah. I was the ID doctor yeah. and everyone yeah. was super yeah. obsessive. Yeah. So and I appreciate that, that that reputation precedes me because everybody was super they were like here we go dr derry i'm washing my hands before i touch you so i appreciated that yeah. and then i had an acute bout of uh, uh gastroenteritis oh, I that. Yeah. where i thought i actually had a, a pancreatitis from a gallbladder yeah. and uh and so my my wife was like insistent that i go to the er and again 10 years of working in the er i've never been an er patient so a week Scary, after the colonoscopy huh? yeah yeah when the needle was pointed at you yeah and the nurse Boop. um right the nurse and the doctor were like very like my wife was like he is an id doctor so and they immediately understood. Man, I'm telling you what's hand. funny is fa your family members will throw that out so quick. Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> husband's doctor. Oh, my son is a doctor. And I tell you what's funny is that people raise their eyes because when you go in as a patient or a family member, if you're not a jerk, uh, you don't really let them. You wear I wear regular. I don't sweatpants. I'm just sitting there, and, you know, just in the corner, just watching everything, not saying anything because I'm scared. I'm not thinking about in doctor mode. But once, oh, you're a doctor. Oh, where do you work? Oh, you're uh, in New Orleans. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, okay. Yeah, look, get around. Right. Is my mom getting this treatment because I'm a doctor or do y'all, y'all just I, nice? You know what? In that situation, I don't care. I, I'm, I, 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 I I'm looking for her. <laughs> the best <laughs> yeah. to like. Yeah. So I'll tell you what's funny is not, and hats off to uh, this hospital. It's a Novant hospital. Um, is in, that in a healthcare, yeah, healthcare system facility in, yeah, or in, yeah, system rather? Yeah. In uh, Winston-Salem. They're genuinely that nice. They were really, really sweet. They were really, really, the whole experience was just really, really pleasant. Um, they, 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 when it was time for her to order food, they said, just order your room service. So, wow. Yeah, that's kind of yeah, cool. That's kind of cool. That's, that's a good thing. way. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, of course. Take, taking away the idea of bad food yeah, in a hospital. Because yeah. everybody says, knows if you order room service, you're going to get good food. Exactly. So, and she's diabetic, right? So, uh, they, had, they gave her the, the low carb diet menu. To choose right. from and she chose everything a la carte now it was hospital food that came up but it was looked like it was well seasoned but they I mean just the whole did, did, they, did they provide it because you know here in New Orleans we are hospital um, uh, yeah 
foods i'm always shocked at what but it comes up in styrofoam containers or oh, on styrofoam no, trays no, this one came up on a tray and they did there was an uncover it was plastic but there was an uncover like it was it looked it was nice and presentable it was, it was presentable it was i mean it was it was really 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 nice i, I mean I, it was now the sleep in the pullout bed was horrible um it was about as hard as this why'd you sleep in the hospital because my mom i didn't want her by herself okay in the, in the room um it's just that's thing. sweet yeah, so I'd that's like part that. of it. I didn't have any. Oh, that's the other yeah. thing. I didn't have any. Barely had service when I was in the hospital, and right. my mom had people coming in all the time, and then she wanted to talk. So I, so I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna unplug and be in this moment, and I'm just gonna go further yeah. and further behind with everything. But I, you don't get this moment back. So that sure. was that's where I started. Is that you always take the time out to stop whatever you're doing and participate in life because it's those moments. Like I had, we had, we talked about my childhood. Um, oh, you guys got. Yeah, you guys went yeah, deep, huh? Yeah, it got deep. And it got deep with my uncle. And then um, it was a last-minute uh, deal. So my best friend, uh, one of my best friends, I've been knowing him as Reggie. I've been knowing him as long as I know myself. He drove an hour and a half to pick me up from the airport uh, at the last minute. And then he drove an hour and a half to take me back to the airport uh, just because I didn't have time to get cars. I mean, it was just a... You were in it, when you hear When you hear your mom say, I'm scared and I feel alone, you're like, I got to go. I'm I gotta go. Sorry, I don't. I'm, I know we're in the middle of this, and I'll apologize later. But I gotta go take care of my mom. And it, you don't have those minutes, uh, those moments where you hear someone. You, you do the same thing for a friend. Sure. But when when it's time, especially being the physicians that we are, um, as much as we do care about people, I mean, you 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 gotta go. You gotta go. So agreed. Yeah. So it's been. It, and then I come back to the. It was to the crazy, to the crazy, and and here I am now. I'll tell you, I, I am going to start looking up. I'm going to do a segment, and I want to talk about technology stress, um, and how I'm, I'd love to see a study about how it affects our blood pressures uh, when your phone won't charge, when your computer starts buffering, when all the work that you've been working on for the past month disappears on your computer. Like, what do you do um, when when uh, when like the remote or the TV, I think technology, as much as it helps us, I think it raises our blood pressure. I think we'd start swimming in cortisol and epinephrine soup uh, because because <laughs> of technology. You're at the radio station and for whatever reason you're not broadcasting and you can't figure out why. Bite your tongue. <laughs> like, <"Ew>, right, right, <laughs> right, right, right. Just technology, technology, technology. I kind of like we're a little over reliant on technology, and I, I'm bringing that up to say. Um, as stressful as the situation was, there were moments where I was just unplugged and I was in tune with my mom and the people around me. So I'm recommending that people unplug. Today's the day that I, I have to plug back in because I'm, I'm behind on so many things. But at some point, I'm going to make it a point every day to just be. That's good. And it's, it's tough, but just be. You know? um, before we got started, I, I uh, maybe because we don't have any guests on today and I wanted to... Uh, Spend the first half of the show talking about kind of what you had experienced, but there I spent I talked uh, I opened the show. Were you listening as you were driving? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Did, you, about did you hear about the New England? Racism? Yeah, did you hear about the New England Journal study no. that just recently came out? So there was a uh, an opinion piece in the mm-hmm. New England Journal that just came out, and I probably should have brought it. Uh, I tried to bring it up on the computer, but I couldn't find it. Technology stress, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but I was also talking on air while I was looking <laughs> it up simultaneously because <laughs> you weren't here. Yeah, yeah. I'm that stressed out. You just me out. Uh, see, there you go. That's so, a friend, right? Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I'll I'll, I'll give you the uh, and I, maybe we can spend a few minutes talking about it too. It was uh, it, the, essentially the study was basically reporting a survey, looking at all the STEM uh, professions and, and then adding medicine to to the final uh, 
STEM, so STEM, right, mm-hmm. with two M's, right? Mm-hmm. So science, technology, engineering, mathematics, and medicine. Even and, though medicine is STEM. Right, even though medicine <laughs> is STEM. But uh, the uh, when they looked at uh, sexual abuses experienced by students and women of STEM compared to men, of course, it should come as no surprise that women uh, outnumbered men with re- with report self reports of sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. But then, when you looked at medicine, it was extraordinarily higher uh, mm-hmm. reporting uh, amongst uh, amongst women mm-hmm. uh, in the medical professions. And they were looking at medical students. They were looking at residents, mm-hmm. female so female medical students, female residents, and female attending physicians all reported significantly higher levels of sexual abuse mm-hmm. when compared. To men, to well, I mean, obviously, when compared the to college, men, right, right. but compared to uh, the um, other the other STEM professions, and so uh, you know, I often talk about uh, structural racism in medicine. That's kind of one of my professional uh, research and 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 topics I talk about. But I'm now mm-hmm. starting to talk about. Uh, structural racism and misogyny mm-hmm. uh, in in medicine now mm-hmm. because I think that you can't talk about one without the other. Right. So I was just wondering, so as I was starting to talk about it on air, I was just flooded with memories and examples of things that I have seen and heard uh, in the past. So I'll kind of mm-hmm. talk about one real quickly mm-hmm. and maybe and give you maybe a moment to think about to see if it triggers any kind of thoughts or ideas in your head. Mm-hmm. When I was in, in medical school, uh, I uh, had partnered uh, with a, a uh, with uh, one of my medical. We met like the first day of medical school. Her name was Helen, and we dated for about eight years, yeah. kind of uh, through medical school and then through a bit through our residency programs. Uh, her name was Helen Vafai. She was a well. Her name was Helen, <laughs> right. and uh, she uh, she was of uh, Iranian uh, descent and was in the uh, in the OR one day. When the uh, surgeons, uh, and this is in the mid '90s, but yeah. it was kind of the era of Clinton, so to bring people back, it was the era of Clinton. Yep. There was some, always some, you know, saber rattling uh, with Iran, but certainly not what we see in here now. But there was some, uh, there was a bit of saber rattling that was happening with the with the Persians and the Iranian uh, people and uh, somehow the Iranian folks uh, and uh, it it just come up in a racist way that the folks in the OR were talking about and we could probably do a segment just on that by itself the Mm -hmm, sort of mm -hmm, mm -hmm. things that happen in the OR the conversations that happen among surgeons um, in the OR but it had come up that uh, that she uh, that they had talked about that Iranians, one of the OR techs had talked about how that Iranian people uh, engage in sexual practices with the sheeps in the in, OR. In the OR, they were talking about how the Iranians are dirty people because they engage in sexual practices with goats and sheeps in Iran, and and finally my then uh, partner had sp- spoke up and said. That's not true. I'm. She let it. Ro- she let it kind of pass. Uh, a you know conversation was kind of going, and yep. she didn't say anything. She didn't say anything. she was a student, and finally she had the courage to stand up and say that that's not true. I'm, I'm Iranian. I was born in Iran. I lived Iran. I came to America and then went back to Iran for five more years. Right. I I know the Iranian life and culture. I've never heard or seen anybody ha- engage in any sexual practices with mm-hmm. any animals. This is absolutely outrageous that you would say that about yeah. the Iranian people. And there was a total sense of silence on that. And uh, at that point, the OR tech said, well, I'd rather F her than F a sheep. Oh. And it was 
shocking, right? It was she was talking. They would. I'd rather f her yeah. was obviously referring to. Oh, uh, it was referring yes. to the met, my, yes. right, my yeah. my partner then, and and Helen actually took the opportunity, to, and she's not that sort of person, but she was so. Aff- obviously Offended. shaken yeah. and and taken by that she actually went and uh and wrote about it uh she um wrote a letter to the dean and wrote a letter to the hospital and wrote just literally passed out letters yeah. and i the reason why i'm talking about this i just actually found this letter in my files oh, as wow. i was as i've just recently left one job wow. for another i'm yeah. going through all my old paperwork and i actually found the letter that was written and i remember and i sat down i reread the letter and do you know what happened as a result of that letter what nothing, nothing. Yeah. not a single thing happened yeah. as a result of that wow and so it, you know when we're talking about when we're talking about what we're talking about right now and the sexual um, abuses and by that we mean unwanted sexual mm. comments or unwanted uh, advances or unwarranted advances uh, what we're really talking about is sexual abuse and the sexual abuse and, and I was liking it to the military and that there's these extraordinary power differentials that exist mm-hmm. between those at the top of the, the medical ladder and those at the bottom of the medical ladder and those abuses can uh, and those power differentials can easily lead to abuse both yeah. from a racial perspective as well as a, a misogynistic perspective so with that I kind of hand it to you until you get your thoughts I, I think that's Horrible. I think it's egregious, and I think it's horrible. Uh, the fact that uh, nothing was done, especially during that time period, does not surprise me. No, of course not. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember any incidents as I was coming through. And I just you know, I, I mean, I you know, don't. comments that were made. I mean, guys sitting around talking about other residents, med students, nurses in front or of them. I mean, no, guy no, no, talk. No, no, no. Guy talk is guy, guy talk. But that, I mean, there's that, a locker room, right? So there's next, a locker room talk that takes right. place. That's locker room talk. But how, here's the thing: women have locker room talk too. I, that's not. The, I'm not talking about women. I'm, okay? No, no, no. no, no <laughs> I, I know, but I'm just saying. But I'm not 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 publicly though. Not in front of like in, these are in closed rooms where they make kind of guys are guys, women are women. Oh, she's attractive. She's not attractive. Um, they're, they're, Do you think that's appropriate though anymore in today's society though? To sit around to to express. I mean, to, to, it, it, to, let me to say, verbally as, express that you think someone's attractive. Well, yeah, I mean, to, in in the setting of a medical, like if we were sitting in a doctor's lounge. No, no, no. no so if no, we're sitting in no, a doctor's no. lounge and then and it's all guys sitting in a doctor's lounge, yeah. f- four guys sitting having coffee, waiting for operations or yeah. just kind of in between patients, yeah. and then comments are being made about either colleagues no. or students no. or residents. No, it's absolutely or, inappropriate. Um, you should remain professional at all times. Um, now, what happens your on your personal time, whatever? I that's mean, your that's business. But this is a professional setting, and the, uh, the level of professionalism needs to be maintained, especially when you're talking about. So, you're talking about the OR. Um, you know, people need to understand that the first thing to come back, the last thing to go as you're going through your stages of anesthesia, is your hearing. And the first thing to come back is your hearing. Your patients are, they, they give you this, these curare, which is a, it's a drug that paralyzes you. It's found in the wild. People, people uh, use it to tip their, their, uh, spears. their spears and arrows when they're hunting to paralyze. Well, your, your body is totally paralyzed. You can't blink. Uh, you can't talk. You can't move. But your body can respond. And you can see that on the monitor um, as you're going through anesthesia. So you have to be very careful what you say because people remember the recall, the surgical recall that people talk about is very real because it's the first thing that comes back. And there are converse, there have been conversations that have there have been numerous articles written in the medical uh, in medical articles and in the lay public articles about people that are 
remember conversation inappropriate comments said uh, during surgery when everyone thinks oh they're asleep. The a professionalism in professional environment, unless you're on radio and you're doing opinion radio, is no place to have personal conversations, personal opinions. So if you're tuning in, you are listening to 102.3 WHIV LPFM. Uh, this is the Get Checked, Get Fit, Get Moving show with Doc Griggs. My name is Dr. Mark Allendary. Preventing HIV is easy, so get prep. You can get free HIV testing at any Access Health of Louisiana. Whoops. And so that's radio. <laughs> Technology stress. <laughs> number, number one. Yeah. You can get free HIV testing at any Access Health Louisiana location, plus same-day primary care appointments as are always available. Access has a new location in downtown New Orleans at the Pythian Building, where, indivi- where individuals can be seen for diagnosis and treatment of HIV, STIs, as well as prescriptions for PrEP. Plus, all Access Health Louisiana patients qualified for discounted medications through our pharmacy. For the location nearest you, log on to accesshealthla.org. That's accesshealthla.org, and we're proud to be sponsored by Access Health. So, I, I agree with you. How, you know, I was talking about how one of my co hosts for Resistance Radio had said that, you know, one of, and I'm paraphrased him horribly first yeah. time around this morning, so yeah. I'm going to try yeah. to yeah. do a better job now. Yeah. That a, uh, that really the true marker of an advocate, or maybe now I'm putting my own uh, verbiage onto it, the true marker of an advocate is, is what is, is what you do in, in those settings or yeah. those situations that that's the real sign of, of courage and, or, or a uh, really true sense of advocacy and bravery. So what do you do? I mean, for me, I'm becoming more and more sensitive to that. And I even admitted earlier that there were times where I just allowed misogyny, just open misogyny to pass by because I just used to think that, well, that's just guys just will be guys. Yeah, yeah, but I yeah. think that there's a much, much more heightened awareness of this. I think that, uh, that we are, you know, we need to sit back and listen and hear the voices and and understand that this is not something that's new it's always been happening yeah yeah and as a result of it always happening we now are in a heightened level of awareness and we need to maintain that heightened level of awareness yeah with 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 that with the institutional racism institutional uh misogyny the whole night all of it yeah if there's an opportunity to stand up and say something or to quell something there's ways to do it Right. With racism, yes, absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. I am loud and proud when it comes yeah, to yeah. that. But the misogyny is new. Yes. Um, so, and as with anything that's new, you have to remind yourself that that you have to do something. How do you something. teach that to your students? So, Eric, Dr. Griggs is a uh, part of his uh, specialty uh, and certainly the work that he does in community medicine is he uh, puts himself out like nobody else that I know, quite frankly, as a mentor and has many, 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 many students that Most he, of which are female. Right. Coach, that he, ironically. Right. And they do a great job. They're awesome. But you're, you're right. Teaching the them. Teaching that professionalism. Right. Oh, or and teaching them that they have a voice they have, as well. You have a voice in, in the professionalism but and to speak up for yourself respectfully now. Um Again, understanding that this speaking up, luckily it's not as new um, as we think, the, the speaking up. You know, there's a Me Too movement. Things, people were speaking up way before then. There's a lot of things that people don't talk about. Like, I mean, we can get into the whole uh, 60% of the women make 60% of what men men make here in Yeah, in I think state. in the state I mean, of Louisiana, a, it's like we're at the lowest, yeah. the, the differential between men and women in terms of pay. It's is, like 40%. Right. It's on how... Uh, can we get into... Are you, yeah, yeah, we can dive. Uh, because okay. I, what I do with my students is I give them books. We have a journal club. And this coming Monday's journal club. I give them non-traditional, non-science books. I give them books about leadership. 
uh, personal development, advocacy, things to build their confidence. Uh, confidence is built on small successes. Um, and that's a, that's a yeah. great, yes. Yeah. Confidence is built on small successes. On small that's successes. a great so saying. Yes. The structure good. of the program, the Dot Griggs Foundation and the program is I give them tasks to do stuff that I already know how to do, but I teach them tasks and I teach them and I praise them. And I let them know that this is great so they can understand every single step. And then I give them credit. Like some of the things that you, you don't even know this, uh, I'm working on writing two papers right now, uh, with the stuff that I'm doing in the community because it's, I found, I've come to find out it's pretty, it's kind of disruptive. Um, it hasn't been done this way from the community medicine, from the community back to the students. Well, within their levels of specialty, I'm going to publish papers. Um, and I'm, I'm putting them, listing them as first author. So when they finish school, they will be published in scientific journals as first author. Good. They write uh, uh, in the lay journals for my, my blog and for my newspaper uh, magazine articles. I list them as first author. Sure. It's confident as in small success. I give them a voice. I invite them, and I'm going to start mandating now that they come to at least one show a month Good. Um, to speak. Good. I'm teaching them how to have a voice. When we go out and we do public speaking in the barbershops and the churches, uh, even professionally, uh, I speak first and then I defer and I let them go We're at, at our office at the shop. So I'm trying to put together a, a monthly cooking demo and I get check it, fit get moving demonstration that I have the students put together. Confidence is built in small successes and uh, successes. Yeah. in small successes. So by the time that they finish all of the stuff that we learned to do, we were just, you, you give presentations to thousands of people. I speak and give presentations to thousands of people by the time they finish they will be so confident and they will understand the process and they will be built up to be able, they, 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 they will have no hesitation using their voice. Um, so that's, that's just, that's what I do with the Dot Griggs Foundation. That's why I'm walking around with students all the time. I look like I'm going all over the place and that, but it's very directed. I'm very intentional. I'm intentional and consistent. There's a, there's a method to the madness. Very much a method to the <laughs> madness. Uh, we have a grant, uh, upcoming one of my colleagues I'm having for the next two Mondays, uh, I'm having a grant writing session, a real practical grant so they can learn how to write their own grants. Um, they can learn what writing a, a grant is. And this is within the public health students, the dietitian students, the med students, the uh, undergrad students. So, and this is obviously all great. And, uh, and, you know, I'm a huge fan of all the work that you're doing with the Doc Griggs Foundation. But why, and, and this is a nuanced question, but it's 2018. Why is it news that that it's a big deal that we're doing this. And, and that's largely a, it's, it, it's largely a reflection of as a society, how horrible we have been. And when you look at the metric that women are paid far less than men, and when you look at the metrics that in women in medicine, mm -hmm. um, suffer sexual abuse, uh, sex, sexual abuse is far greater than the other STEM professions. It really is incumbent upon us to really kind of look very deep into the medical field and look at the structural misogyny that exists. And so I, obviously I applaud you and I, I think with the work that you're doing is great. Um, but at the same time, I'm just very dis, um, it's hard to be in 2018. I mean, we're still fighting against a president who, th who is spreading outright lies and using racism and misogyny to, uh, uh, to, to use fear to get people to the polls. But, Anyway, go ahead, Eric. No, I'm you're, sorry. You know your question. You were well, you were asking why was it news? What was your question? Oh. Well, it was just it's 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 remarkable that it has to be newsworthy in 2018. Uh, yeah. it, it, it's it's 2018. It, yeah, it, the, so just because the time that the clock has turned doesn't mean that we've grown. That we've we've. Matured. You would like to think so. You would, I'd like to think that we've matured, but there's a lot of things that have happened. Um, 
to show that we we've taken more steps back or we weren't as far yes, as we thought yes, in our mindsets. Yes, um, yes, yes. Before. So the reason, so what you need you have to do if the, the if, and that's a whole thing with this whole medicine thing. The model that I work under is the pe- from the people back to the science. The science up to the people has it doesn't work. Agreed. Uh, that's the reason that we do what we do. I do. That's the reason why it's newsworthy. But here's the thing: and even with the structural misogyny and the structural racism, you have to take a different approach. So what you do is you educate around it. It's a chess move. If I take my queen and I put my queen in the middle of the board for you to 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 take it, you better be worried because I'm flanking you. Something is happening um, that you don't see. I'm doing community medicine. We talk on the radio. We do all these things. But the things that you see moving around building these students up to the point that you can't deny them. And that's what I'm trying to I tell them. If you flunk a class, you're, you're fired. You can't be a part of my, if your grades suffer, you're fired. If you put in more than 10 hours a week, these are your, these are your mentees. mentees. If you put in more than 10 hours a week with me, you're fired. I don't need you. I don't need you. I need you. I need you to finish your education so you can be an asset to what we're doing. Like if you want to be a, just a volunteer as a, a non-medical person, that's great. But you said that you wanted to be. You said you want to be a dietitian. You want to be a nurse. You want to be in the healthcare field. So you have to do your job. That's your only job. That what, what you're doing with me is secondary because I'm going to do it anyway. But I need you to be. I want to build. I, I want to build us, the two of us, and I'm pointing at the two of us, two point and three point oh. And that's the whole point, to the point that you can't deny me. You won't think about being disrespectful because it's about respect. You won't think about being misogynistic. You won't think about using a racist comment because you can't deny me. My work, your work has walked into the room first, no matter what. Just like you said, they found out you're an ID doctor before they did your colonoscopy and everyone's sure. on, their pin, on, on, on pins and needles and on their toes. By the time when I walk into the room, if someone says that they're from the Doc Griggs Foundation and they walk into the room and there's a resume full of this, 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 and this, you've heard them speak, they're confident, they care of themselves, and they know how to handle themselves, you know good and well you're not going to disrespect it. If Mike Tyson walked in here right now, neither one of us would think about challenging him or saying I, anything inflammatory. The, the example I always give is that no matter how, how angry I get at uh, President Barack Obama for the the yeah. lapses that yeah. he's had yeah. and that he yeah. let that he nominated that he let a Supreme Court justice go without fighting for yeah. it tooth and nail yeah. and yeah. the bombings and all that stuff. President Obama sitting in that microphone right over there, uh, I'd be like, "Yes, sir, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, yes <sir>. President." Yeah. <laughs> it's so easy for me to be so angry about it. He's sitting in front of me. I'm like, "Yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir." Yes, sir. So that, that's exactly what so my grandmother said. You once you get it, they can't take it from you. But you need to let your work. If your work does not precede you, then sure. you have more work to do. So at, uh, at the cost of kind of slightly derailing the conversation a little bit, but I did read an article this morning about a black uh, physician in, in Massachusetts. She practices in um, at Harvard, mm-hmm. and uh, and she's a uh, she practices obesity. She actually practices kind of a form of community medicine. She actually it made me think of you a bit. Mm-hmm. What she does is a specialty community medicine, public health, yep. a physician, yep. and uh, and the woman next to her started on a, she was on a flight from Indiana to I think Massachusetts, mm-hmm. and a woman started seizing in the in the seat right next to her wow. like l- literally so she started to do what all physicians do which is render care yeah and uh and of course the there was a little bit of flurry of hubbub amongst the um the flight professionals the uh flight attendants and uh, the first one came by and asked for a medical uh license so i actually happen to carry mine on me okay. but i'm wondering do you carry your medical license <laughs> nobody on you? does like okay first of all most physicians when they fly don't 
you don't list yourself as doctor. No, no, no you're supposed to. Oh, I didn't know. I you, do, you're supposed to. Oh, 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 you're really? supposed to. Yes, the medical colleges want you to list. So after my name has uh, MD after my my initials. So you put it. Uh, in, yeah. So I put okay. it in there. So this way they know if there's a physician on the flight. Wow. If something actually happened. So don't put doctor because you look like your PhD. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, put yeah, yeah, yeah. MD after your initials. So, so so what happened? So she she had her medical license on her. So I carry mine on me. I mm. carry the little wallet card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Mm, the uh, uh, and so. So, uh, and so she handed them the, her medical license. They looked at it. They and she was continuing to render care. They came a second time around and asked her again for more of a verification. Wow. And she took it as if they and they were acting toward her as if they didn't believe her. Uh, that uh, and on. so she uh, so the so I think it was Delta Airlines uh, responded and the story this morning was an update to the story and it was the most milk response and she was infuriated yeah, yeah, yeah. and we know exactly what it is it was a black female yeah, physician yeah, yeah, and they didn't yeah, believe her yeah. that she was a physician yeah, yeah. and it ends up being she's a Harvard trained yeah, Harvard attending yeah, yeah. attending yeah <laughs> so it, it's just it's frustrating so and, let me tell you I, that that you talk about that part of medical education two minutes okay I've, I've been through that that's that, that was just par for the course now you're talking about the misogyny but the I've been mistaken for the respiratory tech, the yeah. uh, you're, you're, uh, not disparaging respiratory. Yes, tech. of course, not well, disparaging. They thought I was patient. You don't smoke. Patient, they do. Patient, <laughs> right, 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 right. They were asking if I was a transport. Uh, oh, don't touch me! I'm waiting on the doctor to get in the room. Um, I people ask me even where I'm wearing scrubs. So you're not a doctor. Oh, it says oh, Doc oh, Griggs right, on your scrubs. Right. You're not a doctor, right? Now understand. That, that, hold on, can I just say that has never, ever happened to me wow. and in fact when i walk through hospitals or whatever yeah I, even like i don't wear a lab coat i don't wear anything and people <laughs> always refer to me as doctor wow. always mm-hmm. so and just to let be very clear what's the difference between eric and i i, I <laughs> one sixteenth of an inch <laughs> right. one sixteenth of an inch that's the only difference <laughs> catch between him the in the middle of us. the summer we could probably be the same color <laughs> they, and and when when i am places everyone's always the first thing they're doing is looking at my my scrub top where they're looking at my shirt to make sure oh you're oh you're a doctor that's what it says. Right. Oh, really? Well, where'd you go to school? Uh, I went to Sherwood Forest Elementary <laughs> School. I went to Wiley Middle School. I graduated from Mount Tabor High School. And uh, this is not the typical. <laughs> this is not the typical New Orleans. No, where did you no, go to no, school? Right, right, right. No, this is one of those. So, are you sure? No, I don't know. I could be wrong. I know a little bit. I read a couple books. Uh, I heard something. There was a guy on TV I listened to one time. <laughs> we got to start wrapping up here. Right, read, read, read this. So we want to talk about preventing HIV. Preventing HIV is easy. Get prepped. You can get free HIV testing at any Access Health Louisiana location. Plus, same-day primary care appointments are always available. Access has a new location in downtown New Orleans at the Pythian Building where individuals may be seen for diagnosis and treatment of HIV, STIs, and PrEP, STIs, sexually transmitted infections. Plus, all Access Health uh, Louisiana patients uh, qualify for discounted medications through our pharmacy. We have a pharmacy. For the location nearest you, log on to <clears throat> log on to la.org. That's accesshealthla.org. Log on to accesshealthla.org. Doc Craig, thank you so much for another enlightening <laughs> week of uh, uh, of uh, of get check and think it moving. moving. Uh, hopefully next week we will uh, weather will be a little kinder to us, and, and I'll be, there'll be less technology stress. There'll be less technology, and I hope that you feel better. And much much love to your mother. Thanks, man. Please uh, send her our best, and we'll be back next week. Thank you for tuning in. Human rights and social justice. Please consider donating at whivfm.org. It's communities like ours that help to support progressive programming at whiv. 